Father, you're so worthy, Lord, of all of the praise and the glory and the honor, Lord Jesus. Without you, we can do nothing today, Lord Jesus. Without you, Father, we would not have breath and life in health in our bodies right now, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for all of the faculties that are working in me today. I thank you for ears to hear. I thank you for eyes to see. I thank you for hunger and for thirst, O oh God. I thank you for your spirit and your power that is present in this place. I thank you for your people, Father, that are present in this place and online, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power and the presence of of your mighty spirit, Lord Jesus, that moves and ministers where it will, Lord Jesus. I thank you for hunger. I thank you for thirst. I thank you for desire to be in this house today. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We need your anointing. We need your power, Lord Jesus. We need your direction, O God. We pray that your kingdom would come in and through your people today. We pray that your will would be done, Lord, in and through us as your people today, Lord Jesus. Accomplish your will in and through us, O God, at this moment in time, Lord, that you've called each one of us to be on at this particular moment, in this time, O God, in this, this age that we're living in, Lord Jesus. We are part of the body, the greatest body that there ever was, Lord Jesus, and we need you to direct us. Guide us, O God. Let us hear with the open ears, O God, in the Spirit, what you're saying today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So great to be among God's people this morning, O God, to be in this place. Amen. To know that He let us live another day. He gave us breath and life and health for another day. He allowed us to be here. He gave us a desire and a and a hunger and a thirst and a will to get up and come in and be in His presence in His house among His people today. Amen. Amen. And hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be among God's people today. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for His Word for His Spirit, for His power. Without Him, we can do nothing. It doesn't mean we can't do anything in general, but without Him, we can really accomplish nothing of any value. We might accomplish a lot of things. We might get a lot of stuff done in our life, but if we're, not, if we're doing it outside of His will, without Him, we're just doing stuff. We're not accomplishing anything that's value has any value to the kingdom. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says we were bought with a price. I don't know if anybody in here has ever seen any movies where they show slaves being put on the block and up on the block for sale. And if you've ever been to a, an auction, it's kind of what it's like. You're just they just start the bid at a dollar or whatever, and you just go from there. And so that's that's where we were. We were on the we were on the block. And Jesus said, "I'm going to go. I'm going to make the final bid, and I'm going to pay the price for all of them." 
Amen. And so he bought us. We are not our own, the Bible says. I didn't say that. The pastor didn't say that. That's not something new. (laughs) We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And because we're not our own, and this has as much to do with this Bible study as anything, it's not up to us. If we're really serious about serving God, it really is not up to us how we live our life every day. It really is not. And you might say in your mind, well, come on, that's, you know, God gives us a life. Yeah, He does. And you might say, well, you can go too far with that. And I, and I say to you, well, it might be important to God what you wear today. Right? Well, I don't ask God what, what to wear. Well, maybe you should. Because think about this. What if God is talking to somebody, somebody out there that's hungry, that's thirsty, that's saying, God, I want to find truth. I am confused, and I just want to find the right way. And God speaks to them and says, Today, you are going to see a man speaking in an orange shirt with a striped tie in this direction and a blue suit. When you see that man speaking, you're going to know that you have found the truth. Now, is it important to know whether or not you're wearing the right clothes or not? Because what if you're not listening to God and you wear a gray suit and a different color shirt and that person's going to miss God? Does that happen? Does God tell people stuff like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's testimony upon testimony out there. When you get to the airport, you're going to see a man or a woman. They've told, he's told missionaries that. How am I going to know what to do when I get to the airport? Don't worry about it. There's going to be a guy in this, and he's going to be wearing this, and he's going to look like this. And you're going to know it's him because he's going to do... That stuff happens all the time. So it's important that we really seek the will of God for everything. Everything. It's important. I know that's... i got to let that sink in because some of you are going, come on, Really? I want to be that person. I don't know about you. I want to be that person. I don't know if I've been that person yet. But I want to be that guy that God is sending somebody to me. Whether it's what I'm wearing to work, or what I'm wearing here, or what I'm wearing out when I'm going out to the store. I want to be that guy. I want to be there in in the outfit that God picked for me that day so that I can be there for that individual that's hungry, that's thirsty. I want them to find me. Don't you? I want that opportunity. Hallelujah. So we're picking back up on exploring God's Word. Isn't that what we do here every day, every service we come to? Isn't that what we're doing when we're reading our Bible on our own in our home? We're not just reading it so we can check a box on a little piece of paper, are we? (laughs) If you are, you need to graduate from that. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Because it's more than that. One translation of the of the in the scripture where it says the Ten Commandments, it's actually translated the ten words. 
So it's not just some words on paper that we're reading. It's the Word. It's, I'm speaking words right now. These are Brother Demuth's words. Right? God's not taking over my mouth and speaking through me right now. He's letting me use my mind and my mouth to speak what I feel like He's telling me to say. Just like He did for the prophets. Just like He did for Peter on the day of Pentecost. He had no clue what He was going to say when He stood up in front of that crowd. He just listened to the voice of God and just started speaking. And so those words mean something. So you need to, you need, when you're reading that, you need to be just hungering for what is he saying here? What's he saying to me here? What do you, what do you want me to do today, God? I want to get in line with where you're going. And I don't want to pray, God, I'm, I'm headed out for my day. Are you coming? Kind of backwards, isn't it, Sister Bell? <laughs> he might not come. <laughs> I don't want God to say, well, you're on your own since you're going about your own business your own way. Have fun. Good luck. I don't want that. I want Him to lead in everything I say, everywhere I go, everything I do. It's for His glory. Even if it's going to work, I'm going for His glory. I'm going with the intention of doing exactly what His Word said. Do it whatsoever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. I want to be that employee when I'm at work. They don't just say, well, he's a faithful employee. They say something. There's something about that guy. There's something about that girl that just sticks out. They're different. You might not be preaching a Bible study to somebody, but you're speaking volumes to them with your life. Amen? Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 8. And we're probably going to use this, these ten verses, these eight verses um, on each successive lesson sort of as a launching pad to go into this Bible study. And if you notice, I don't have any handouts. And I started to do that. And then I thought to myself, and maybe the Lord was telling me this, why are you going to cheat the people out of blessing themselves? So this is, this is the new and improved version. They still have the old version on PentecostalPublishing.com if you need to know where to go. They have the old version too. This is the revised version with different pictures and stuff. And this is the chart, the small tabletop chart. They have the big chart. And so I don't want to cheat you out of the, the, the opportunity to have a blessing of going out there and buying your own Bible study chart. Because at the whole point of all of this is that we're going to get busy teaching Bible studies. I'm getting a few head nods. What do they call that? A Baptist nod. <laughs> Amen. That's our goal. And you're going to find that out. But I want to give you the opportunity... Your sheets are waiting, out there waiting for you on PentecostalPublishing.com. It's going to cost you some money. I know. I had to spend the money too. It's not that I don't have it, but I, in my flesh I want to spend it on something else. But this is about investing in the kingdom. Right? I want to, I want to use this thing, Sister Bell, until it's so wore out I've got to go order another one. 
That's not going to do me any good sitting on my shelf in my office. This, is, this lesson is as much for me as it is for the rest of you. God's dealing with me. Because I haven't been using this. But I intend to use this. And I am, I am going, I am just beating on the doors of heaven saying, send me somebody. Send me somebody. So I can teach them. Amen? Matthew 10, verse 1 through 8. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power. He delegated authority and jurisdiction against unclean spirits. Do we have delegated authority? If we have the Holy Ghost and are baptized in Jesus' name, we have delegated authority from God to perform His will on the earth. And that's exactly what He told these disciples to do. And He gave them that delegated authority against unclean or evil spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He sent them out with no Holy Ghost, mind you. Because the Holy Ghost hadn't been poured out yet. They had nobody been baptized in Jesus' name yet. But Jesus gave them authority and power to do all these things. So when He gives you authority and power, you represent Him. He, he's going to follow up with the authority and power He gives you. That doesn't mean you go out and wield it like some, like some lunatic or something. You, you recognize whose authority and power it is you're wielding first. And you do it in love. Amen? And so He gave us that authority and power to do all these things, to heal, heal the sick and all manner of diseases. That, he's, he's given us that authority, church. It's, he's not the only one that has that authority. We all do. God's, God honors faith, no matter who's operating in faith. Amen? Now, the names of the twelve apostles were these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, and Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, He gave them specific instructions. Specific instructions. Go not into the way of the Gentiles yet. And into the city of Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go. As ye go. Think about that. He's not saying when you decide to go. As you go, in Jesus' mind, they were already gone. Because He knows the end from the beginning. So He's saying, as ye go, preach. And that word preach generally means to proclaim, to herald, and to announce publicly. Anybody ever heard of a public crier? They would stand out on the street corner and say, and just announce the news or whatever was happening in the area before there was newspapers and radio and all of that. And so that's, that's it. now I'm not saying that he wants us out on the street corner preaching the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But he wants us out there taking it somewhere, using your mouth, the mouth God gave you, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is the kingdom of heaven at hand? Does it feel like that today? It's at hand today. 
And then he told them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. You've got the authority. You've got the power. I've delegated it to you. Now go and use it for my glory. Amen? Because there were some people, obviously, that needed to be healed and needed to be cleansed of leprosy and needed to be raised from the dead. And there were some people that definitely needed some devils cast out of them. And Jesus was saying, I can do it, but I'm sending you to do it. And I am pointing at all of you when I say that. And I got three pointing back at me, okay? So he's sending us. We're not called to stay put. We're not called to have good church. Nothing wrong with having good church. But that's not what he called and sent his disciples to do. We're not called to have good fellowship. Although it's great to have good fellowship. We had some good fellowship yesterday, even though it rained. But that's not what God called us to do. We can't just fall back on, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, and, and just use that as our candy stick, if you will. To, we just we just always get together in church. And we can't use that as our excuse to not go out there. Because that's where He sent us. And I'm sorry, but our predecessors on the day of Pentecost, after they had been filled and baptized in Jesus' name, where did what happened? Where did they go? They went to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. While they were busy going out. What, what, is it, what were they doing? I don't know. I don't know that they were teaching Bible studies. We didn't, they didn't have a Bible. There was no written Bible. I mean, there, there was written scriptures, but nobody could read. Most people couldn't read in that day. I wouldn't call them, I guess they were illiterate to some extent, but everything was verbal. And so what did they, what did they have to depend on then, Miriam? Their testimony. Oh, man. Were you there? Were you there? Did you, were you there when Peter preached? Oh, man, you should have been there. How could you not hear that? How could you not respond? Just imagine what they were They were telling their friends and their neighbor, anybody that would listen. Is this thing that we have great or what? Is it? <laughs> don't, don't act so excited. <laughs> Somebody should be shouting right now. This is what we have is awesome compared to what we used to have, which was nothing. You shall receive power. Finish that. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on. It's come upon you. And why would you need that power to be witnesses unto me? To all those places. Jerusalem, which was the local city. Judea was the next city outside of that. Samaria was outside of that. And the uttermost parts of the world was outside of that. So what was he saying? Don't stay here. And, and later on in the New Testament, when the church tried to stay in one place, what did he do? What did he do? He sent 
Persecution. Why? To make them scatter. Do you want God to have to send us persecution to make us go out and scatter? Do you? I don't. I don't want God to have to do that to get my attention, to get me to get out of my seat and go out there and do something for the kingdom, something he called me and sent me to do. He sent us. We talked a few Sundays ago about getting the seed out in the field. Seeds, having seed is great, but if it's sitting in the barn in a bag, it's not producing anything, is it? It's just sitting there in the bag collecting dust. Farmer got to get the seed out in the field. The seed, the Bible says in one place, is the Word of God. So we got to get the Word out of this building and out there into the field. Out there in the dirt. The Bible says, remember, man, that you are dust. And to dust you shall return. So guess what all those people are and what all of us are in here? We're all dirt. We're all dust. Where do you put seed? In the dirt. <laughs> you get that? The dirt's out there. They're walking around. They're, they're sleeping off a drunk. They're doing whatever it is that they're doing this morning. And we're sitting in here having just a good old time worshiping the Lord, but... That's, we're not getting the gospel out there. Maybe a little bit out online, but we're, we're generally speaking not getting the gospel outside this building. But we need to. Amen? In, the, in one other place it says the, seeds, the seed is us. Matthew 13.38 says the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. We are the seed. We are his, right, his mouthpiece. We are his offspring, if you will. Aren't we his sons and his daughters? Aren't we his representatives? Aren't we the ones that are supposed to be taking this gospel everywhere we go? We're Not to say that you're supposed to be a walking Bible, but we are supposed to be a walking, living testimony. Known and read of all men, doesn't it say that somewhere? And we got to get past our fearfulness. The enemy doesn't want you to open your mouth and say something. And he will come to your mind and he will just tell you that don't, don't say that. Don't, you're going to sound like an idiot. And you might not be able to back it up, so I just wouldn't say anything. He'll tell you anything to get you to not say something to somebody. And you have to be able to recognize that that's not God and that's not me. That's the enemy doesn't want me to open my mouth and share this truth and this gospel. He doesn't want me to love other people. He wants them to stay where they are. Because you are encroaching, whether you realize it or not, you're encroaching on his territory. It's not really his territory actually at all. Because God said the souls, that all the souls are his. All of them. Because guess who's going to judge all of them? God is. So the devil wants you to think they're his and you can't have them. Well, God can't have them. 
we can't save anybody. But we sure can at least plant the seed. Not everybody's going to want this. I got family that they've heard it preached. I, I, my brother had somebody come to his door on a Saturday morning from another religious organization and he didn't want to deal with them and I happened to be there so he asked me, could you go to the door and deal with these two people? And so I said, sure, okay, I'll do it. So little did I know my brother and sister-in-law were standing right behind me the whole time so that I let these people say their, their little spiel and then I said, now can I say something? And they said, sure. So they basically got a really quick like five, six, seven minute Bible study on Acts 238 salvation. And then they just say, well, we see that you, you know, you're in the Word. And then, so they, they realized that they were up against something they couldn't deal with. So they just bowed and left. And I turned around and my brother and sister-in-law were just standing there. And I just thought, I thought, and then my brother said, wow, how did you do that? Thinking, I don't know. <laughs> Must have been God. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have any notes. I just, it was in here. And it came out. But it had to be in here first. And so, and then I, as I left there that day, I thought, man, my brother and sister-in-law got a free Bible study. So they've heard, this was several years ago, they've heard the gospel. They had their chance right then and there to respond to it. And if they've chosen their response I don't know, that might be their response, but I'm, I, does that mean I just give up on them and stop praying for them? Absolutely not. Because you know, when you, when you go buy a farm and you, buy, you have a field, and we talked about this planting the seed, there might be some rocks and some, some junk in the field, and you've got to go get it out of there so you can make that field fertile so that it will grow something. And just because somebody doesn't receive... What you have to say the first time doesn't mean you just walk away and give up on them. You just got to keep praying. We got to keep plowing the field and digging up the rocks and digging up the weeds and getting them out of there. And you never know when God's going to start getting a hold of somebody. So we don't ever want to give up on a prospect, somebody that we feel like God sent us to. Now, they might, they make their own decisions. So they might decide one day they just, they're done with the Bible study and they don't want it anymore. And we don't get upset. We don't get mad. We just say, well, bless God. We still love you anyway. And if, if you ever decide to change your mind, just call me and let me know. We'll pick it back up. Okay. You move on to the next one. <clears throat> the seed that we cast will land on all kinds of ground. Right? And so we have to be prepared to, to just give it to God. He knows. Not every door you knock on to sell vacuum cleaners wants to buy a vacuum cleaner. But if you knock on enough doors, somebody will let you in and they'll buy a vacuum cleaner or encyclopedias or whatever. And so you just have to keep knocking, right? You just have to keep knocking. You can't get discouraged. That's what the enemy wants is for you to just get discouraged and quit. Well, this doesn't work. This is just this is useless to even try this. That's what exactly what he wants you to say. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. Reaching and teaching and exercising the ministry that God has called you to will cost you something. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you sleep. 
It'll cost you something. But you have to determine in your mind that it's worth whatever cost it, whatever it costs you. Luke 15 and 10 says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. What's a sinner? The Greek word is hamartulo, hamatolo. I'm, I'm just, just drawing that. To deviate, to miss the mark, to sin, erring from the way or the mark. In the New Testament, metaphorically used as an adjective or a substitute. To be missing the mark, you usually have to be aiming at it first. Is that true? We were just shooting out of my house a couple Sundays ago, and some of us were shooting at the targets and making it go ping, 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 and some of us were shooting at the target, and it was just not making any noise. One of us was aiming and hitting it. The other was aiming and not hitting it. I was the one aiming and not hitting it. (laughs) But I'm going to get better because I'm going to keep going out there and shooting, and I'm going to keep aiming, and I'm going to eventually start hitting that thing. So you got to keep aiming. You got to keep practicing. You got to keep doing this. Are you going to, the first time you teach a Bible study, is it going to just go perfectly? Probably not. Second time? Probably not. But that's, you're not, it's not a performance. You're not there to perform and just show, show how important and how biblically knowledgeable you are. It's not what it's about. If anything, you teaching a Bible study is going to help you. We're going to get into that. Over one sinner that repenteth. One. Just one. So all you got to get is just one. That's all he's looking for. The angels are going to rejoice over just one. To, uh, re- repent or repentance means to change one's mind for the better. Hardly in a, to hardly to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. Every one of us was there. Every one of us felt that moment come in our life where the revelation came and we were like, oh my goodness, I got to repent. I got to be baptized. And I got to get this done like right now before Jesus comes. I got to get this done. That's the place you're looking to get people to. But you have to remember that you got to let, what did Jesus, he never drug anybody to an experience with him, to a relationship with him. He let them decide, didn't he? He was a gentleman about it. So when we're teaching a home Bible study, we need to handle the Word of God with reverence and care. We're not just teaching persons, but precious souls. When you're looking at people out in the world and in your mind you're trying to determine if that's a good candidate or not, you've got to be really careful. And the way I approach that is no matter what they look like to me, no matter what they sound like, no matter what my preconceived ideas, my preconceived opinions about people, how they dress and what they look like is, ultimately I tell myself that is a soul that needs Jesus. No matter what they look like. No matter if they belong to the biker club over here, Sister Bell. No matter, doesn't matter. That's a soul, in God's mind, that's a soul that needs Jesus. They need to hear this. They might have never heard this before. You don't know what that person might be praying, God, if you would just send somebody. 
They're all their buddies in the biker club might not know that they're going home at night and praying, God, I'm tired of this. I want something different. Don't you want to be that person that God sends? I do. Because if you win that guy, you might end up winning the whole club. There's been testimonies of, of churches, and I've heard this preach where a guy went out and won one member of a gang. And he kind of, him and the, the gang member were arguing, and, and he finally said to the gang member, if you were a real man, you'd come to church. <laughs> and, and so that got under that guy's skin, and so he said, fine, I'll come once. Good enough. Preacher said, good enough. Once is all I need. And long story short, before it was over with, two or three rows of the front row of that church was full of gang members from that guy's gang. Because of one guy. So you never know. Don't you want to be that? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to send the wrong message here, Pastor, but it's not about our glory. Look what I did. See all them up there? I brought them. We're not getting into a competition here. I know some churches do, but we're not. (laughs) I don't think. Anyway. But I just, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice. If God uses Brother Wayne to get him here, hallelujah. If that's the vessel God chose to use, I'm going to shout with him. I'm going to shout with them. God's going to get the glory. The devil's going to get a black eye. Hallelujah. (laughs) Don't you want to be the one to give the devil a black eye? So we're not just teaching persons, we're teaching precious souls. And we need to model to the ones we are teaching what, what this new walk and lifestyle looks and feels like. Not just be a bunch of empty words. You've got to live it. You've got to live it. And it's got to be real. Not just put on and phony. Because people can detect phony and put on a mile away. Ask my wife as a school teacher. Those kids know. If you're real or if you're just there collecting a paycheck and you're just punching in and punching out, they can tell the difference. They know if you really love being there or you just can't wait till 2.30 so you can leave. And so people feel that. You think people feel that when they walk in here? If you have a spirit and an attitude about a certain color, lifestyle, go on and on and on of people covered in tattoos or whatever. Do you think people feel that? They feel it. So we have to be careful. Jesus loved them no matter what. They thought for sure He was going to just condemn that woman to death who was caught in the act of adultery. They just sure thought sure if they bring Him to Him, He's got to condemn her. That filthy woman caught in the act of adultery. They didn't bring the guy, but that's neither here nor there. Because when you're caught in the act of adultery, there's usually two people. It was probably one of their guys. That's my. It's not in the book. That's just my estimation. That's why they didn't bring him. And what did Jesus do? He just started writing in the dirt. One by one, they left. And she looked up and said, "Where?" He said, "Where's your accusers?" <laughs> I don't see any. She said, "He said, what did he say?" Neither do I condemn you. And he didn't just. Well, what did he say next? 
Go and don't do this sin anymore. He didn't, he didn't say that she wasn't guilty of it. He just said, Why, where's your accusers? We've got to be careful to not be that crowd. Either in this room or in our, in our home. We've got to be careful that when they... I want people when they come to my home, Brother Becker, to just feel the love of God. I don't want them... I know I'm, we're, my wife and I are going to be good host and hostess and all that stuff, but I want you to feel the love of God. I want that maintenance guy that comes to work on my refrigerator to feel the love of God when he walks in that house. I want him to feel that. I don't want him to feel me. I want to be praying in that house continually so that so some soul walks in there. They don't know what it is they feel, but they feel something. I want that Spirit of God to draw them back. I want it to be more than just a one, one-time meeting for that person to come and do whatever they need to do. I want, I've, I've had that happen several times where it just turned into a conversation and they don't even know why they're standing there talking to you. But I just think in my mind I'm going, that's God. Because that has nothing to do with my refrigerator, what we're talking about. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to make sure that we're not adding to or taking away from the Word. We've got to be careful. Deuteronomy 4 and 2 says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Stay in the book. It's not hard. You got it right there. And while I'm on that subject, while you're investing money in the kingdom, while you're buying your Bible study, you might as well go ahead and get you a box of ten of those Bibles that are about seven bucks a piece. You buy a box of ten. Go ahead and have you some Bibles handy. Go ahead and give them away. You don't need them. You already got seven or eight or ten in your house. Plus the ones on your device. So you're not even using the ones that are on your shelf. But seriously, we went out and ordered a box of ten Bibles. And we're, my intention is to give them away. Because if somebody shows up in my house for Bible study and they don't have a Bible, the first thing I do is get the Word of God in their hand. First Bible I ever held in my hand, it was just amazing to me. The only book I read in the whole book was, was Proverbs, but Proverbs ministered to me. It took me to the next level. It, it got me to... It got it, it was like taking a bite of a, one of those donuts down there. I wanted to have another one. You know, you get a little jelly down your chin and you want to go get another one. Right? So we got to practice these things. We got to prepare, prepare, and prepare. Don't go into a Bible study just unprepared just don't don't just start the bible study without ever having opened this book and read through it at least once and going through the chart maybe even sit down with your family and teach it to you teach it to your wife and have her teach it to you when we first got into church in okinawa we had bible studies with each other and that's how they trained all of us to be good bible study teachers is we trained on each other 
And the, the person that was training you would sit on the other side and let you teach the Bible study, and, and they would ask all the dumb questions that people ask on purpose. Because you have to be able to give an answer, the Bible says, for the hope that's in you. And sometimes your answer is, you know, I don't know. Because I'm not a Bible scholar. But we're going to find out. But the, for now, we're going to finish this lesson. You've got to keep it focused on the lesson that you're on. Don't let, it get, don't let yourself get distracted and off in, some, in the weeds somewhere. But make a note and come back to that. Because every question is a valid question from a new convert. You felt like every question you had was valid. I did too. And I'm thankful that I had a, a pastor that when, when we got in church that he, he told us point blank, question everything I say, but use the, the book to do it. Question everything I say, but use the book to do it. Because he said, you know, I'm, I'm a man, I'm fallible. I, I'm, I can make a mistake. Misquote something. That rarely happened because he stayed in the book. But we had that we had the ability and the freedom to and the liberty to, to do that. And so what did that do? It caused us to go look at the book. So that when you when you hear revelation, it's one thing and you go, Oh wow, that is so awesome. I never heard that before. You can't stop there. You gotta take that and you gotta study it and make it yours. You gotta make that revelation yours. You gotta own it for you. So that you know that it's not just because you heard it, because now you see it. You've studied it. Oh, yes, I see it. I see it. Prepare for your lesson. Stay humble. Pray for God to give you direction. Pray for God to give you a love for souls. Because remember, that's a soul. And be prepared to possibly even be invited to teach the Bible study in a more comfortable setting for the person that's receiving the Bible study, like at their house. They might feel funny coming to your house. So don't be opposed to the idea of taking your Bible study chart and your stuff and extra Bibles with you and going to their house. And be prepared that you might be teaching a Bible study to a smoker. Right? Or you might be teaching a Bible study in a house where... Two or three people are smoking while you're teaching. But you're in their house. So you just have to endure some things for the kingdom. They might have the TV going. You just have to use wisdom. Amen? We have preachers in our organization today that were new converts one day. And when the preacher showed up at their house to teach the Bible study, they were sitting in the house Smoking marijuana when he walked in the door. And now that man and his wife are pastors. <laughs> he just... God still loves them. He knows they're doing that. He does. God, believe it or not, God knows they're shacking up. He knows that. That's not your, that's not your concern. Your concern is planting this this word inside of them doing the will of God going from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship and, and if you're having it in your house make sure you have some fellowship bring 
if you're having somebody in your house, have some kind of snack. You just never know if somebody has not even eaten that day. Make it as a relaxing environment as possible, but but stay on the serious side too. And you know, just uh, some of this stuff is obvious, but I guess the Lord wants me to get up here and say it, so I'm going to say it. It's a four, 12 to 14 week Bible study. Don't don't take all night on the first night. Set a timer if you have to. 45 minutes. Okay, we're done. If they're if they're hungry, which is what you want them to be. Oh man, we have to stop already. Yeah. Because I like to keep this to 45 minutes, but we'll be back next week. So we'll pick right up. Oh, man, I can't wait. Well, here's some homework. Go home and study this. You know, you got to just kind of feel the situation. But I would, I would recommend you keep your Bible study down to 45 minutes to an hour. It just depends on you got to go with the flow of what God's doing and how he's working. Okay? you got to pray and fast. See, I told you it's going to cost you something. Is that important? Absolutely it's important. Why do we fast? To keep our flesh in check. Now, if you're going to teach a Bible study to somebody, I don't know about you, but I want my flesh to be in check. I want to be as close to God as I can. I want God to work on my flesh and get any of my any of my wrong ideas or whatever out of the way so that I can be a vessel for Him to use. Does that make sense? So you're handling two of the most precious things on the earth when you're doing a home Bible study or a Bible study anywhere. The Word of God and people. And I didn't bring my Bible. But I have this Bible at home that's got, in the middle of the Bible, it's got um, in my father's house Bible study with charts, with everything. It's got a little mini chart and everything right inside the middle of the Bible. So while you're out there on PentecostalPublishing.com, if you don't have one of those, I recommend you get at least invest in one of those. They have them with Flooring God's Word, In My Father's House, or several Bible studies. I recommend that you invest in one of those. And it's, it's not very thick. It's very small. And have that with you. You never know when you're going to have an impromptu Bible study. Well, you know what? I, I happen to have a Bible study with me right now. Let's not wait. Let's go in here in Starbucks and I'll buy you a cup of coffee and we'll sit down and have a Bible study. It's going to cost you something. Or McDonald's or wherever it is you go. That pastor in in that town where Brother Parker's from started a church out of teaching Bible studies in the McDonald's in town. And then when he got it up to about 30-some-odd people in the McDonald's every once a week, he said, "Mm, you know, I think maybe I need a building. I mean, McDonald's probably wasn't complaining. They were spending money. You do what you got to do. And that can be a benefit, teaching a Bible study. You're in a neutral area where you're not in their house. They're not in your house. It's just a neutral kind of a situation, and some people like that. You know, you know we're dealing with a world that doesn't know anything about the Bible. And the only thing they know about the name Jesus is how to use it as an expletive. I work with a guy that is just constantly saying that, and I'm trying, being nice as I can, to, to get him to stop that. 
So far, I've been unsuccessful. Yes. What? Expletive as a curse word. People use that all the time, the name of Jesus. Yeah. How would you how would you like it if I used your name as a curse word? Right? say that and some people will respond and some some people will respond one way and some people will respond by saying it again. <laughs> you got to love them. You just got to love them. You just got to love them. Can't get mad, got to love them. Can we teach a Bible study if we're conflicted about something? Can we teach a Bible study if we have a grudge? Holding a grudge about something? Or some, or on somebody, if we have unforgiveness or anger or bitterness, can we teach a home Bible study? We can, but it's going to, not going to be very fruitful. If we have contradictions and struggle within our own selves, I think you you alluded to this a couple Sundays ago. Are we are we in a right frame of mind to be teaching a Bible study? Absolutely not. Why do you think I said we need to fast and pray and prepare ourselves if we're going to hear from God and follow? His flow in the Bible study, we're going to have to work out these things ahead of time. You're going to have to be prepared. And I'm telling you that now because you need to start preparing. Because the whole point of this, unless I'm wrong, is that we need to get out of this building. We need to start teaching some Bible studies. There was a church in Texas that wasn't having any growth, and the pastor came to the pulpit one Sunday and said, we're closing the church for one solid month. I don't want anybody to come back here until they have at least one Bible study. And they closed the entire church down for a month, locked the doors. It was in a big city in Texas. And the fruit of that, now that's just that pastor, that's what God told him to do. That doesn't mean that'll work everywhere it's tried, but but that's what happened. And that got people out doing it. I'm not saying we need to get to that, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. I'm not saying we shouldn't be here. We should we should be having not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner some is and so much the more as you see a day approaching, but we really need to be out in our community. Because of the fruit of that is a church will pop up out of the out of one Bible study. Just like that one in Brother Parker's hometown. Started with one person in a McDonald's and then just grew from there. And now they're, Brother Parker said they've already outgrown that building within a year of moving into it. They're already looking to expand. They're out of room. Because it kept growing. Right? Isn't that what we want? Do you get tired of having that whole pew to yourself? I'm not saying that to any one person. <laughs> Although you might think I'm looking at you saying that, but there's a lot of people sitting in one pew by themselves right now. And there should be people there. And this is a good place to bring them. This is really a good place to bring them. But we got to get start the, we got to get the ball rolling. You know, we got to get them in a, in a relaxed environment where they can hear the word of God. You I mean, my goodness, we got probably close to Bible scholars in this building. 
I don't want to name names, but several of you have been in this a while. You got enough Bible in you, you could do it. We just need to do it. This, I'm a, I'm not, I don't want to step, step into your realm over here. I'm not the pastor, okay? We don't want to give Satan an advantage of us. That's, the Bible says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Why did Jesus say that? Or excuse me, Paul. I'm sorry, Paul. Paul said that. Why did Paul say that? Well, he was talking about a situation where there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about that, that Paul was releasing this guy to Satan to deal with his flesh. Because this guy was getting kind of out of control and he wasn't living right. And so Paul released him to the devil so the devil could deal with his flesh but not his spirit. And so what Paul was writing his second letter to the Corinthian church to say, hey, now this guy is, is, is remorseful and he's, he's seeing the error of his ways and we don't want to completely lose him. So I'm going to forgive him. You're going to forgive him. We don't want to give the devil any ground, any, any way to get in the door to create any kind of division so that that guy ends up getting destroyed spiritually. The point, the point was not to just excommunicate the guy and say, forget you, we don't ever want to have anything to do with you again, ever, get out. That's not what, what Paul was doing. He, he was exercising authority that he had, but he was trying to get the guy to see the error of his way so that he could restore him. And you might run into some people out there that are former apostolics. It's about res- restoration. That's, that's our ministry, right? Does that say that in, in your Bible? God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, which is the same as restoration, reconciling. He was reconciling the world unto Himself. He's using us as vessels to do that. So that's why you've got to be prayed up. That's why you've got to be fasted up. That's why you've got to be prepared to have and ask God to give you a love for people because you're going to run into some hurt people that were hurt by some pastor that had a situation that happened where they have bad and hard feelings or whatever. You've got to be prepared for that. Amen? We don't want Satan to get an advantage over us. So we've got to be careful with grudges and attitudes and being conflicted and all this kind of stuff like that. And that doesn't mean that you're just going to be have no issues going on in your life whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to be at peace with those things. You've got to be at peace with your God. You've got to be at peace with yourself. That's why he gave us those scriptures. Cast every care. Casting every care upon Him. Everything you care about. If you're having issues with siblings or family or anything like that, you just, God, I can't deal with this. Here, you take it. Because He, you know, He has a way of dealing with stuff. That's way better than anything we could think of. Way better. We would just mess it up. Because we would just be doing it in our flesh. Unless God gives us a word to speak to somebody, we need to just cast it on Him and just let Him deal with it. And I am running out of time. We're not there to impress people. Don't try to don't try to impress people at your Bible study with your biblical prowess and your that means you know your how smart you are, because 
<laughs> Trust me when I tell you God will let you know how smart you ain't. <laughs> oh, really? Is that right? When you start hearing that in your mind, uh, just be careful. You're handling the Word of God. You, What you're doing, you're touching the life of a soul, an individual. And... Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 17-19, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Bible. It says, For Christ did not send me as an apostle to baptize, this is Paul, but commissioned and empowered me to preach the good news of salvation, not with clever and eloquent speech as an orator, so that the cross of Christ should be made, of, of, made ineffective, deprived of its saving power. For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it. But to those who are being saved God's, by God's grace, it's the manifestation of the power of God. For it is written and forever remains written. Quoting from Isaiah 29:14, it says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the philosophy of the philosophers, and the cleverness of the clever who do not know me. I will nullify Just be yourself. Be yourself. Be sincere. Be real. People can feel it if you're phony. They know. It was the sincere love of the people of God in that church in Okinawa, Japan, that was the reason we stayed there. It wasn't how smart they were. It wasn't how much Bible they knew. We just felt loved there. They made us feel like we were family. And if you got family, some of us got family that, if, if, if for no other reason than we know that they were the product of our mother and father, we claim them as family. But other than that, there's some of us that would not claim some of our family members as family. <laughs> yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I claim him. Right? We're family. We're a mixed bag just in this room. All of us have little idiosyncrasies, little weird stuff about us that just, you know, there's stuff about a couple of my siblings that just gets under my skin every time I get around them. But that's my brother. And that's my sister, and I love them. And that's how, if God don't deal with her, that's still my sister. And she still acts like that, but I'm still going to love her anyway. And I'm not going to let her know that gets under my skin. It's my sister. Especially at Thanksgiving when she's having food at her house. <laughs> don't, don't want to make her mad. She's fixing the food. Right? Right. We're not there to judge their lives. I'm going to close with this and just stop right here. And where they are at the moment. Just remember where God brought you from. I don't know about you, but He brought me from a mighty long way, Brother Terry. He really did. And you know what? I'm not there yet. I ain't even close to being there yet. Uh, the amount of revelation I have is, is minuscule compared to what I should have and what I want. So we're not there yet. To them, we may seem like we're a Bible scholar. But keep yourself humble in your mind and remember you're not. You're just you're saved by grace. And you're being used as a vessel of God to, to minister to somebody. 
We're just there to bring great knowledge and understanding and hopefully wisdom and revelation to their mind and that, that, so that we can see that moment. What an awesome feeling. We're going to talk more about this in successive Sundays, but we're going to get to that moment where you see that you see the light come on. You can tell. You've spent several Thursdays, whatever day it is that you've given up your time. It's not your time. It's God's time anyway. Right? He owns you. When you've spent that time with that individual, you, you're going to know when the light finally does come on. And you won't have to invite anybody to church. They'll invite themselves. Right? They will. <clears throat> What's his name in North Carolina? Um, Huntley. Brother Huntley said when he first started his church, he said him and his wife never invited one person to church. They just went out and taught Bible studies. And they would talk about church, and they would talk about when the service started, but they never said, would you like to come to church? They would just end the Bible study and leave. And he said over time, he said one by one, each one of his Bible study candidates would say, but before you leave, do you think we could come to your church? Yeah, 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 sure. So he would wait for them to invite themselves. There's no pressure. You know, when you when you first got in church, it was weird. I, I don't know about you, but it, when it was it was weird coming from a Catholic background. It was just a little weird, a little strange, right? Kind of a little took me a little getting used to. Kind of like the military took me a little bit of getting used to that different lifestyle, right? And so we want to be his vessels. I don't, I, my desire is in, with by Christmas time is to. And I don't know about you, but I personally, I'd like to see every one of us teaching at least one Bible study by Christmas in the middle of one. And you know what? You might not see him come to church right away. That's okay. That's okay. It's not about building a relationship with the church. It's not about them building a relationship with you or the church or the pastor. You want them to fall in love with Jesus, and you want them to fall in love with the Word of God. We'll talk more about that next Sunday, Lord willing. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. Thank you for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that I have not said more than you would want me to say. Lord, that the ears that have heard today have heard something that they needed to hear, Lord Jesus, and that you would allow it to stick in their mind, O God, that you would give us a hunger, a thirst, a desire to love people, to love souls, and to love your kingdom. Lord Jesus, and to get ourselves busy about your business. Lord, we ask that you'd use us for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all take about a 12-minute break. Come back at a quarter till. In Jesus' name.